0: All right. Quick message from our sponsor. We know that growing pains hurt. And when you're a startup sales team, you know that pain all too well. Thankfully, there's the HubSpot for Startups program. It's a special program that gives startups discounts on HubSpot. The platform unites your entire front office from marketing to sales to support. Plus, they have a ton of other resources that startup founders can use to scale. So get ready to close more deals and make growing pains a thing of the past. Visit HubSpot.com slash startups to see how much you can save. On this episode of My First Million, me and Sam, we talked about the idea of romance and romantic fiction books. I feel like we talk about that a lot, but we did it again because Wattpad sold for $600 million. So we got into Wattpad, the idea of romantic fiction and how you would build a business around that and a an experiment that Sam ran in that space and how he made a best selling book in the romantic fiction category on Amazon Kindle. We talked about an idea around the COVID smell test. And, uh, and at the end, the last 15 minutes, we invited Brother Aaron back on to talk about his latest from the rabbit hole. And uh, so that's at the very end, last 15 minutes. All right. Enjoy this episode. uh uh-huh.
1: Yeah. I feel like I could rule the world. I know I could be what I want to. I put my all in it like my days off. On a travel, never looking back.
2: So, today's episode, I thought we could dedicate, because it's the inauguration day, I just wanted to talk all about politics for the next two hours. Are you okay with that?
0: <laughs> yeah, people love that.
2: So, I'd read a couple articles. I think I know what I'm talking about. I figure today strictly politics If
0: you read a couple articles then I mean we have an expert so that's we're good then
2: Well I read the headlines of a bunch so I read the re- comments and read it I think I know what I'm doing so if it's okay with you if it's okay with you we're going to dedicate the entire episode to politics, particularly our opinion and why that should be the rule of the land.
0: <laughs> I tweeted out a thing, just a bunch of memes, basically celebrating Trump's last day in office with like a bunch of funny Trump moments of the last four years. And I got three DMs just now saying, "Bro, I, I didn't follow you for politics. Or you know, like, hey, you said you tweeted about business. This, this is this not business." <laughs> I was like,
2: "Well, but relax. it's also funny."
0: Yeah, I was like, this is a joke. This is not politics.
2: (laughs) Yeah, like
0: we'll see if they like that. response.
2: You know, we actually get a lot of compliments that we stay away from politics. I wouldn't say I'm not a political person. I wouldn't say I'm not not. I don't know. I'm pretty well mildly interested. I think you are, too. But we don't talk about it here because it's not really important. And if we do do it, I think it's from a relatively objective standpoint.
0: I don't know if I agree with any of that. I personally don't think uh, I try not to spend any energy on it in my own personal life. Therefore, I'm pretty badly uneducated on it. Therefore, whenever I speak on it, I'm kind of speaking out of turn. But, you know, I think most opinions are quite uninformed also. So I I would say I'm just I'm right in there with everybody else of mostly uninformed biased.
2: I want to bring one thing up. Last episode that I didn't make it, it was you and Suli. You guys, I heard, talked a lot about religion, right?
0: We had a segment on, yeah, creating a new religion. You
2: just admittedly are not a political guy. But and I don't give a shit if you listeners think this is fake or real. It's interesting to me. And it's interesting to you. I'm about to sound like an idiot. I'm like, do you know what Bitcoin is? Are you familiar with, like, QAnon?
0: Yeah, like, I don't spend a lot of time figuring out what the QAnon conspiracies are of the moment, but I'm I'm aware of it, yeah.
2: But do you know the origin?
0: No, tell me about it.
2: So this is just someone who has listened to a 60-minute podcast, and I don't care if it's real or fake, whatever you believe, whatever. But basically, it started, I think, in 4chan. This, right when Trump got elected, this guy, just a, an, an anonymous guy, no one knows who this person is, he says that he has the highest level of clearance at the White House called Q. I guess it's Q clearance, so they call him Q. And he starts writing these vague messages on 4chan. And he sends updates every couple of weeks, a couple of months about what's gonna happen. And they're all relatively vague and they're kind of like puzzles. And the people believe it. So a lot of the people who stormed the Capitol, I believe they were Q folks. But I just think that, like, just let's just be objective. Let's just, who cares what he's saying or she's saying? How crazy Wait, is it? Hold that on, is
0: QAnon supposed to be a person? I thought it's a group or like an ideology. It's a
2: person and these people are all followers. And they, they'll say like Q's a patriot. We love Q. You know, Q's not going to let us down. It's probably fake, right? It's definitely fake. It's definitely <laughs> like a, a young person. They've made some predictions that are mildly true. Like for example, like finance in Hollywood is controlled by pedophile you're
0: saying it's a person i'm googling right now everything i'm googling says QAnon is the umbrella term for a set of conspiracy theories and a kind of a a set of believers who believe you know for example there's a satanic worshiping you know pedophile sex ring keep reading it comes from one guy named q okay yeah q is the is the is the clearance patriot october 2017
2: yeah he writes all these things and they believe that trump is like their I think like the savior or who's going to like write a lot of the wrongs that Q is saying exists. And so they like, I guess technically like maybe he was right because Q said that they're like pedophiles controlled or were powerful or something like that. And like Jeffrey Epstein. And so the fact that Bill Clinton wrote on Jeff Epstein's jet, like you'd be like, Oh wow. He predicted it, whatever, yada, yada, yada. But it's just crazy that a guy behind his computer is making (laughs) this up. I mean, you guys, I'm sorry if you believe this, like it's a, You have to imagine, you have to believe this is probably made up. It's amazing that this person is convincing all these people to do that. I find that to be amazing. It's crazy. Hopefully, this Q is selling his own (laughs) t-shirts.
0: If not, who is? I think that these guys are, you know, totally crazy. But it it would be interesting to know who is behind this. And uh, I bet there's, you know, elements of truth to their story. Like, I bet I would believe you if you told me. There is somebody with a high level of clearance or maybe it's like the IT person or whatever, like somebody who has some kind of access in government who, whether for fun or out of their own kind of mental illness, decides to propagate these conspiracy theories on 4chan. And I also believe that just like Jeffrey Epstein and his island of like young girls that Bill Clinton and whoever else were going to, look, when there's powerful people Uh, powerful people do some pretty disgusting stuff. And whether, whether it's a satanic worshiping, you know, pedophile sex ring, I don't know, but I would bet that this uh, person does have clearance, that there is somebody who has clearance, who is posting this stuff, and that there are elements of truth to some of the things that they do. Now, people are going to be like, you're crazy. I can't believe you're validating this stuff. I'm not saying it's all true, but I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, if there was such a person doing such a thing.
2: Maybe. But um, the reason why this interests me is it's the same reason why, like, does it interest you to who created Bitcoin? oh yeah for sure it's really fun okay
0: i should say it interests me but i also i'm glad it's an anonymous person and i wouldn't if i knew their identity i wouldn't out them type of
2: thing sure but just from like a i want to watch a documentary that speculates like it's fun
0: no yeah because this is like movie shit you know what i mean it's like oh this mysterious creator creates this digital gold becomes a billionaire it's like okay that's cool that's like a sci-fi book and it's real life and then same thing with this QAnon thing it's like this underground forum of internet trolls and hackers they actually crack a conspiracy but no takes them seriously and everybody discredits them but you know blah 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 you know i just think that that's like movie shit and therefore i can't look away i'm I'm rubbernecking you know looking at it even though i know i should probably just ignore it
2: so i've been fascinated by this and uh it's cool to me just like the same thing with like the ross albright who all was behind silk road that stuff's quite interesting to me this whole Q thing you know i got into it since the, the storming of the Capitol. i got curious about it fascinating. Very interesting. Had to do with what you guys were talking about religion. And then let me tell you one more tangent before we get into it. And I've got a couple ideas I want to run by you. God, I sound... I kind of am embarrassed to say this, what I'm about to say. (laughs) You know how we are talking about collectibles? Yes. And we are talking about different categories that are interesting. Mm -hmm. So... I'm a big true crime fan, right? I like Dateline, I like Q. I mean, that's all like I like Silk Road stuff. I love like these mysteries; they're just fun. It's just like a man version of a soap opera. I watched The Night Stalker on Netflix about serial killer about that serial killer Richard Ramirez, horrible guy, raped kids, killed people. I think he hurt thirty people. He's the guy who held up his hand, and you see like the uh, the uh, pentagram you know i'm talking about that picture
0: no i have no idea what you're talking
2: about all right type in nightcrawler i bet you know this photo it's like a very famous picture of him in court or sorry night stalker night stalker okay
0: night stalker okay i see the guy yep and i see the hand thing yes i've seen this before
2: yeah it's like real famous whatever and i started thinking like i'm a huge fan of american history this night stalker thing was a big thing of history you know what what else was was ted bundy everyone knows that name ted bundy yep everyone names knows the name jeffrey dahmer charles manson i kind of was curious i'm like well these guys are in prison can you buy stuff from them like can you buy like a charles manson like piece of <laughs> art or can you buy like a, you're trying to wear like a, a unabomber hoodie no i don't want like i don't want like memorabilia i want like artifacts like historical artifacts for example, you could buy the confession letter. Or like when Bernie Madoff went to jail, you could purchase like his Mets baseball hat. You could buy even his underwear. Like if I was old enough, I would totally would have bought something like that. I've been so fast because like, we love crime in America, right? Obviously, true crime is the top podcast stuff. Like, I'm incredibly fascinated. And I went and found a couple auctions that do sell this stuff. It's so weird and so fascinating. It's kind of neat. Is that kind of creepy that I'm saying I might collect that?
0: Yeah, and actually, uh, so our friend Ramon had this idea not too long ago. That's totally tangentially related, but you said true crime, and it reminded me, which was to do true romance, which are basically like a blend between the true crime genre And romantic kind of fiction, like, you know, whether it's Fifty Shades of Grey or more recently, like uh, the number one show on Netflix, Bridgerton, is kind of just like this, like, you know, romance thing that like every woman in my life is like, oh, my God, I love Bridgerton. I love this dude on Bridget the Duke of Hastings. And so he had this idea of taking, you know, creating these fictional stories, whether it's audio or in text format and making a subscription service, but have the content be like true crime where it's like. You take these crimes, but then you like you take these famous names, but then you like do the romance version of what's going on behind the scenes or you just make it up all together. It's like the Clinton and Lewinsky story and you just use their names. <laughs> you use like either their names or names like theirs to to do this. Splitton and Lewinsky. You know, that's how Fifty Shades of Grey started, right? Like uh-uh. it's a fan fiction off of Twilight. So there's the Twilight series, which was kind of like romance slash vampire stuff. And then fifty shades of gray was just somebody in a fan fiction forum on the internet was like, "I wrote this thing, and they used the names you know from Twilight, which is like Bella and I forgot what the dude's names are, but it's like whatever team Team John and Team Harry, or whatever their names are, and basically, they just used that, and they wrote kind of like a raunchier version of it, and that was fifty shades of gray, but then by the time the book came out, they changed the names they couldn't use that IP, so they changed the name to just something else altogether. I'm like 95% sure that's the story behind uh, 50 Shades of Grey, which is the most best-selling book in like last decade or something.
2: Let's move on from my creepy, my creepy... Serial killer shit. Yeah. Yeah. And let's actually talk about that because I that's actually something I brought up. So our friend Ramon had this idea for a little while and he actually raised money for it. And then he gave the money back to investors because he actually started working on something else that took off. And it was called... Uh, well, it doesn't matter what it was called, but yeah. we could explain the app another time. But it was in the space of True Romance. And I actually ran tests with him. And we collected hundreds of dollars of subscription revenue in a matter of three days doing this test. I helped him set it up. And uh, what you would get is a first story of a romance, a thousand words of a romance story that was also audio. And we paid someone 50 bucks to do it. We said for part two, sign up. And that got me interested in Wattpad. Do you know Wattpad? Mm-hmm. So I've been following this company, Wattpad, and we brought it up a bunch of times, I think. So did you see that they were acquired today for $600 million? Oh,
0: no, I, uh, I I, think founder, I, was, I was just on the founder's Twitter. They replied to my tweet or something recently, so I was just checking them out. Oh, they sold to Naver, wow, $600 million, amazing.
2: Yeah, so Wattpad was based in, I think, Toronto. Um, they had uh, roots in Hollywood and Silicon Valley they had 160 million users, they raised a ton of money. So I don't know if the exit is considered a home run, they raised $117 million. And the whole idea was that there's this group of women who love romance novels. And there's a lot of amateur writers out there. And they created a place where they can meet and share stories for free. And they did not make a lot of money. I think at the time of sale, only $25 million in revenue. They were only making money through advertising, I believe, which I think for them was really dumb. But Eventually, in 2016, they established Wattpad Studios, which was striking licensing deals with the most popular stories and authors. And they would help turn them into movies. And then they would buy the IP from them and turn it into stuff. But the biggest challenge for their business was that the company didn't own the underlying IP, the writers did. And so to lock in some of that value, Wattpad had to persuade some of these people to partner with them and turn it into movies, yada, yada, yada. Very, 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 very fascinating. And so my question to you... Oh, and one more thing. The company raised a little bit of money from China Literature. I brought that company up a while ago. China, There's a company in China that is doing this exact same thing. It's just called China Literature. Obviously, the translation is a little funky. It's only in China. They do close to $1 billion in sales on a platform that allows readers or writers to share stories with their readers. It's wild. It's a conglomerate. It's owned by... uh, So check out... So in this article about the
0: sale... They say Wattpad, which is like 14 years old, sells to Naver, which is a South Korean like kind of like media conglomerate. They also have like a messaging app that's really, really popular. And they said they plan to incorporate it with Webtoon. Have you seen webtoons.com? No. So webtoons.com is Wattpad, but for just creating comic strips. So anybody can go publish a comic strip and other people can come read them. And then you could look and like, this the top one on there, right? Today, so it's Wednesday. True Beauty is the top one on there. It has 31 million likes it's on episode number 129. If you click it, you just sort of start scrolling. And it's like, I mean, I wish this is not a podcast. I wish you could just see this. I'm literally going to share my screen so you can see and react to this. But look at this shit.
2: So let me explain what I'm seeing. It's like a clearly like a is this a uh, an Asian company?
0: Yes. South Korean. company. OK,
2: so they've Americanized these Asian women and they make them look like hot, like big boobs, big butt. <laughs> so it's like clearly there's some like sex appeal thing going on here.
0: What this says. So this says, uh, so this guy sees this girl. He says, what on earth? There's a celebrity here. She turns around while holding her Starbucks coffee. And it says, hey, what diet are you on? You've gotten super hot. I saw your Instagram. You've become even prettier. And it's just people like complimenting this pretty girl and she's on the breakup diet. And it's like, I don't know what this is, but look at this. Like, and look how like this is just like mobile optimized for Webtoons. So I feel like something like this can exist. It looks great. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know how, if this is an amateur publishing this, I can see why this has 31 million views and like pages and pages of comments, 4,000 comments on today's episode.
2: All right, everyone, a quick break, because I want to fill you in on a little experiment that I'm doing. I've got a new project. It's called Money Wise. It's a personal finance podcast for high net worth people or young people who are on their way to becoming high net worth. When I made a little bit of money, I didn't even know how much money I should be spending each month. Should it be 10000 30000 50000 And I didn't really have a lot of people to ask. So I created a podcast called Money Wise because I wanted to figure out what are some of the things that people who have a lot of cash and who have a high net worth, what do they do with it? The first episode is with a friend of mine. He sold his company for $200 million when he was 31 years old. He gets super transparent about his monthly expenses, his portfolio, how it impacts his happiness, everything. And so I want you guys to check it out. It's called Money Wise. That's one word. You can find it on my Twitter bio. I'm The Sampar, Or you can just type in Money Wise on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. All right, back to the pod.
0: Hey, let's take a quick break to tell you about the HubSpot Podcast Network. If you like podcasts like this, you should check out some other cool podcasts. One is called Business Made Simple. It's hosted by Donald Miller and it's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. And what he does is he makes it easy to take the mystery out of growing your business. There's an episode that you should check out called What You Should Put in a Job Description to Get the Perfect Hire. And in this episode, Donald Miller looks at the whole hiring process and how important it is to emphasize both the, the positive attributes and the drawbacks to future candidates. And you'll learn why being self-aware as a leader will help you avoid hiring disasters. So check it out. Go listen to Business Made Simple wherever you get your podcasts. This is crazy. So that's pretty cool. I really like this. This is like, you don't really hear too much about this in the West, but honestly, like somebody could do this for the US. Somebody could do this for India. Somebody could do this for the Philippines. Like You could build a business that does exactly this in different regions and like the way to one way to start it would be to like just honestly kind of rip the content off one of these sites translate it or have it modified but just take the core stories and seed your platform using this type
2: of content i've actually brought this up before but i'll say it again i think there's another website there's a bunch of these there's one called i think it's called lit radica like literature erotica is it called lit radica or is it called it's it's called something like that. Literatica. Literatica. Do you have similar web on that? I think it gets like 50 yeah. million monthly uniques.
0: 50 million monthly visits.
2: And look at the time spent on the website.
0: 16 minutes. That's like an eternity for time's average visit duration. Are you kidding me? Like-
2: that's insane. And it's like a GeoCity looking website, right? Like there's nothing special. Oh my God, look at
0: this. It looks like, I mean, it's just literally a black and white website with text and blue links, blue like URLs to different different things. This was the MVP of how we were telling, or at least how I was telling Ramon to do his, uh, his site was just like, hey, make a page like this.
2: That's what ours was. You want to see it?
0: Yeah, let's, let's pull it up. It was like, let me put in my email and just get the next story in my inbox every day or text it to me or something like that. So I, you know, you can hook them. But it's really simple. It's like people just want to read. There's a lot of people that just want to read stories, and I think fan fiction works. That's a lot of what was on Wattpad. I think kind of this like romance slash like literature erotica that works. I know somebody who's doing this for audio erotica, basically. It's, so it's like it's like a podcast version of this. It's kind of like two characters reading, you know, like kind of like doing the dialogue of the scene, and it's uh, you know supposed to get you all hot and bothered. And I bet you that shit's going to work. Like, I don't think these are big VC-backed things. Click your Zoom thing. Um, What is this? So this is shortbutromantic.com. This was your uh, your landing page? I built this. So people can check this out. So shortbutromantic.com. Daily short romantic stories. Exactly. The header is perfect. Guy next door. And it's this girl who's literally taking her shirt off. Uh, you can't see anything yet, but she's got her hands in the right places. And this guy who's, like, super into her. I see audio and then I see the story. Yeah,
2: click it. You don't see the story? I do see the story. Yeah. Oh, click audio or click that button.
0: Dude, the audio is hilarious already. Who's reading this? We paid a guy. That's so good. And then did you like the story? Hey there, I'm Carly, Carly's a fake person. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, hey, I'm Carly, Carly the fake person. I'm the managing editor of Short and Romantic. We put out one new story every day. Do you want part 2 of this story? Great, it's ready. Click the button below so this is a great example of what a MVP looks like for an idea. Cause most people don't know where to start. They're like, Oh, I need to make like an app. Oh shit. Okay. Let me go find a guy who knows how to make apps and like pay them. Oh man, they want $20,000. Like in this case, this is a perfect MVP for this.
2: And just for the record, this was all Ramon's idea. I just, we were sitting in my office one day, brainstorming it. And I go, we go, I go, watch this. I'm just going to make it right now. We made it in 30 minutes and got sales at night.
0: Uh, yeah, I think probably like literally, I think 50 people who listen to this are going to go do this thing. Because every time we talk about this, two more people go start this business. A few people have had success with businesses like these. They've came back and told us. And I bet you more people will do it after this.
2: So let me ask you this, Sean. I've got two questions for you. And you have experience because Twitch has been acquired. So my question is this. I think they are the leaders in this space. After they get acquired, do you think that that means there's more opportunity for upstarts? And second, Wattpad was terribly, horribly under-monetized. They had something like 150 monthly users and they made $25 million. They could be saying like, well, we're building up the audience and we're going to monetize. I guess that's an okay shtick because they actually did have the audience. But how would you have actually made this more money? Because China literature has... $800 $800 million in revenue, there's a way to do it.
0: Yeah, there's a way to do it. I actually don't even think that's the more interesting question because you would kind of need to look at their assets and figure it out. But the first part of what you asked, I am a hundred percent in agreement with. So, I have this theory in general that it that's eight or nine years into a company's life is the perfect time to go disrupt that company. And um, why? Because that's usually when either they get acquired, they're trying to go public, the focus is on profitability, they've you know scaled up their employees, and now like innovation has kind of slowed down, and it's about managing what you have and really just like you know like handling all the different problems that you now have. You know. I don't know how much time at Wattpad is probably spent on fraud or spam or like inappropriate content. Like as a startup, you just don't need to think about. And so in general, I've seen that eight or nine years into a company's life is when the upstarts see openings. It's also where technology just changes enough, enough stuff in the world changes that there's more opportunity. So in this case, what I would try to do is unbundle Wattpad. So I'd go to Wattpad and I would look at what are the most popular types of content? Is it true crime? Is it romance? Is it fan fiction? And it's actually just Harry Potter spinoffs that people just, you know, Harry Potter fans just want to keep reading about. Ron and Hermione, like going and making babies or whatever, like, you know, what is the content that's actually uh, most popular here? And then I would unbundle that. And so like, I think what you guys did is a perfect example of an unbundling, which is to say, cool, romantic fiction content is super popular. We're going to be the romantic fiction shop. We're going to brand ourselves accordingly. We're going to run ads to get users here. Also maybe change the model. So they did a good job of basically being a marketplace where, or like a user generated content platform where, you know. Millions of people are writing stuff. Most of it's crap, and then a few things rise to the top. I think what you guys did here, which was guaranteed quality content behind a subscription, is a really cool way to attack the problem from a different angle. And I would just be brainstorming different models that work that go all in on one of the genres that you unbundle from Wattpad. Maybe true crime.
2: I'll give, if you're thinking about doing this, I'll give you a little bit more feedback because I actually uh, researched this quite a bit. I think romance novels next to business is the hottest has the most movement on Amazon Kindle. And there's subcategories. And like, I'm just gonna say this, but I'm not saying like, it's cool or whatever. But like, there's some really weird and odd subcategories. For example, women who want to have sex with werewolves.
0: Tell the story, you guys published a blog about how you created a I don't know what the idea was, It was like, let me see if we can game the bestseller charts or something, right? Tell the story what you did.
2: Yeah, so we wanted to become a bestselling author, because I knew a guy who was writing books on how to sleep with women and he was not a ladies man but he was just plagiarizing people and i did it because i actually thought that what he was doing was highly unethical and stupid and not right but amazon knew about it and they were gonna like let it fly so i go okay we're gonna do something funny just to like prove our point and so we wrote a best-selling book in the romance novel category we gave it a fake woman's name a fake name called captivating claire what was the book called it's taken down you can't find it Okay. Captivating. Oh, that was
0: the name of the book. Okay. Yeah,
2: captivating Claire, and um, we um got fake reviews off Fiverr, and we got to number one in the category for a few hours, and it worked out well. Wait, someone's asking me, is that it? Captivating. Claire. Looks like it. Had yeah, that's it. Taken it's, down. It's still there. <laughs> looks like it,
0: but looks like it is there.
2: <laughs> yeah, it is still there. You can buy that. I don't know what they did. We we did our part because like. The publisher, we told the owner of this what we are doing, and they went along with it. And afterwards, we did our part to take it down. I don't know how it's still up there.
0: What did you learn from this uh, test? This little that it's
2: easy to game Amazon Kindle. I mean, this was uh, how long did I do? I did this three years ago. So the rules. So how how do
0: you become number one? I missed that part. Well, what did you do to become number one?
2: It's about velocity of buys, and you can get a bunch of friends. There's like rings of these Kindle writers. There's like a whole ring where they go, all right, my book's out. Everyone go buy it. And then you just do that with all one another. And then you can get fake reviews on Amazon.
0: About how many buyers do you think it takes or did it take at that time? Are we talking? 100? I don't remember. 10,000?
2: No, it was about 500 for us. Gotcha. It was about 500. And you got to game the category. So there's just like a whole way to game it. I mean, like if you just look at like Amazon. Re- yeah, this for sure is not ours because ours had reviews. And this says there's no customer reviews. So I don't know what's going on here.
0: Did these names? Carter Voss, he's damaged. Sophie Woodruff, she's a virgin.
2: My my <laughs> he's, friend's he's name with my best friend. <laughs> my best friend was uh Josh Woodruff. So <laughs> uh, but so here's my point though. There's all these categories of like women who wanna hook up with billionaires, women who werewolves. wanna look with werewolves, because there's a category of women who wanna have sex with werewolves, women who want to hook up with um military men with people of different ethnicities. There's people who want it rough. I mean, there's all types of categories that you could do this for.
0: Amazing. I think this is amazing. And the reason I say amazing is because it just shows, like, there's this quote that I love that I always repeat to people, which is, I forgot who, uh, what's the guy's name who wrote the Boron Letters? Gary Halpert, is that his name? He said this thing in a talk once that stood out to me. He goes, never has more money been lost than trying to market what people should do instead of what they want to do. It's such a big lesson, especially for Silicon Valley and engineers and stuff like that. Like there's a lot of really idealistic people who want to be successful. They want their product to be used and they want more customers. They wonder why they're not growing. And it's because they have built something that they think people should do rather than what they want to do. And what this is, is the thought experiment played out of what do people really want it's like people want to read trashy romantic fiction about a a woman who's you know being pursued by this hot muscular billionaire
2: i wouldn't even say it that way do we think that porn is good i mean i think that like some porn can be healthy and it teaches you what yada 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 it just seems that maybe this <laughs> is like the women's version of porn like this just helps people get off so i wouldn't even call it trashy i would just say it is what it is and it ha- there's a place in it
0: I'm, that's what I'm saying to you it feels like yeah this is what it is and there's a place for this and people want this and who's to judge most people the reality is most people if we were to go talk about this in you know the middle of you know some conference if we were going to talk on stage some people would be offended some people would be horrified some people would be like that's trash, that's a waste of time, that's blah, blah, blah. Most people talk about, it's not what most people think about. Most people are not really aware. And I think most people don't really talk about the fact that the products that work, the products that spread are tapping into things that people want. Tinder works because, oh man, I can just see a bunch of pictures of nearby girls swipe right. With a flick of the thumb, I might be able to like, you know, hook up tonight with somebody if I wanted to. That's why Tinder works. And like, we'd like to think that no, dating should involve all these cool variables that are really matching you based on your personality and your values. And it's like, that's not what works. Simplicity spreads. And uh, like, the fastest path to the seven deadly sins is what spreads the fastest.
2: That's a good rule. I always used to say if it makes you like more powerful, more money look better naked or have better sex like it's probably gonna work well
0: (laughs) yeah exactly all right what else you got what else should we talk about we we did uh politics and porn so i think you know that's (laughs) that's off to a good start
2: well you had nitro circus
0: uh i don't want to talk i was gonna do research on that one i i you might actually know much more about it than i do i just knew
2: i know a little bit but i thought like i I was gonna piggyback off your stuff also have i talked about pickleball on here
0: no we haven't go ahead
2: okay a lot of people in the south where i'm living now and where i'm from but a lot of people are gonna be like oh pickleball like that's so old of course you guys are acting like you're talking about some brand new thing i get it it's been around for a bit
0: I found out about it like nine months ago. And when some guy was like, yeah, I just sold my company for $10 million selling, you know, pickleball equipment. And I was like, what? What a ball of equipment? And he's like, yeah, pickleball. And I was like, what the fuck is that? And he's like, oh, it's and I actually still don't even know how you play. But I'll tell you. What I do know it. is that this sport is like exploding in popularity. It's exploding.
2: Somehow. It is exploding. Sorry if you guys laugh at us. Yeah, it's popularity. It's new to me because it wasn't popular in California until it probably isn't. About, but in Austin, they have pickleball courts now throughout the city. And they are always full.
0: Dude, what is it? It's like full body ping pong or what is this
2: it's like tennis wait first question have you played i have the equipment we got a pickleball like membership like there's like a bar nearby that has a bunch of courts and you pay money to rent and they're building out this billionaire guy's building out a pickleball league here when you pay like a country it's like a country club only for pickleball this is how popular it is it's like tennis but the court is half the length so it's much shorter the ball is like a wiffle ball if you're not american a wiffle ball is like a really light plastic ball and you just kind of hit it back and forth there's some rules that like there's some like basic rules like you got to stand here when you serve and for the first two hits you got to stand this other place but then after that it's just tennis So is
0: it okay so is it basically tennis but you don't have to run around so much and be as athletic is that what the thing is is that like easier
2: it's tennis but you don't have to be as skilled great okay i love it it's not hard to hit it over the net it's not hard to have a rally anyone can have a rally it's easy to have a rally So it's more fun.
0: Okay, so I'm really interested in this and I'm really interested in just generally new sports. So let me tell you three things that I think are interesting. First, that story of the guy who was selling the equipment. Uh, That also means that, you know, anytime there's like an emerging sport, you just take all the shit that exists for the existing sports and you say, cool, there's going to be a leader in this category. So blogs about information, rules, leagues, equipment, that stuff, those are a bunch of opportunities. The other side of it is like, Who's going to take advantage of this? So, for example, if you're Barstool Sports, what if Barstool was like, look, we can own Pickleball. No one's looking here. It's still early. A bunch of our readers like Pickleball.
2: It's definitely kind of like a bro Right, it's a bro
0: thing. Seems like you could play with a beer in your hand. Okay, so let's say if I'm Barstool, I'm looking at Pickleball and I'm saying, 10% of our audience thinks Pickleball is the shit, and 90% has never played and never heard of it. So here's what we're going to do. We are going to go buy the league right now, and we're going to own the league. We're going to basically own the NFL of Pickleball. You know, we're also going to, like, sort of be the lead sponsor, and we're just going to go all in Pickleball. It's going to be, like, half joke and half, like, real content and real money behind this thing. I think there's even big companies that could do well with this. If you're Twitch or YouTube, you know, why not go pick up the rights to uh, to Pickleball, for example? The last thing is, there's other sports that are like this. Are you familiar with 2020 cricket?
2: No. What is that?
0: All right. So this is a crazy story. You're gonna you're gonna love this. And I don't even know the full story. So we, I'll just give you the the surface. You know, cricket matches like a normal cricket game, and cricket's like obviously super popular in India and like Pakistan and the UK. They like cricket. Australia likes cricket. A normal cricket match can last like five days. So it's like it's you know, this worked back in the day when like you would kind of play the sport and then like the sun would set, there was no lights, there's no electric you know, fucking no no outdoor electricity. So people would just like go home for the day and they would come back and resume the game the next day. And these would be like five day matches. So obviously this didn't like keep up with the way the world changed and the way people's attention spans were shrinking. And like TV providers were like, you know. How the hell do we show this like this thing you know takes hours every day and then like spills over into the next day and the next day and the next day so these people got together They formed something called 2020 cricket, and it's basically a shortened version of cricket that only lasts, I think, like two hours or three hours or something like that. I'm going to get a bunch of the details wrong, but the high level idea is they took cricket, a three to five day match, and they shrunk it down into like an accelerated two to three hour actual sport.
2: Who did this? ECB? Is that like a company? Oh, there's like a board. I don't understand how this works. is like a board.
0: Yeah, I don't know exactly who invented it. You can check that. Out. You can look it up. But basically... Like,
2: is this owned by an entity? It's always kind of confusing to figure out it's how like these things a work.
0: Group, I think it's like a business. I think a group of people basically like made this thing and created this league. So
2: the guy, the people who own it, it's called England and Wales Cricket Board. And they have a chairman. They have a CEO. I don't know if it's... It's weird. I don't know how the entity is right. structured. And
0: so this, this got really popular. So 2020 Cricket, I think, is probably more popular than normal cricket, except for maybe some of the, like once every few years, big matches between countries, uh, sort of like the Olympics. And then a bunch of the star players were like, shit, we get paid more if we go play 2020. And so they started going to play 2020. And so it's like, what? so you, you look at baseball today, right in America, and you wonder, like, is somebody going to do this for baseball? Baseball is like this most fucking boring sport golf, right? Like, you have like these kind of spin-off variants like skins matches in golf or pro-am tournaments in golf that like get a lot of attention in boxing now there's like the youtuber boxing celebrity boxing is like a new variation baseball maybe somebody's going to do like the shortened form of baseball that's like more home run it's like you know sort of like bigger boobs and bigger butts like how do you do more home runs, less time spent, and, and whatever? It's like, what's that movie? Uh, you know that movie I'm, I'm thinking of? Basketball? It's basketball, yeah. It's, it's I was so, thinking so,
2: about this when I was thinking about Spikeball. I'm like, how do we basketball this?
0: Somebody's going to do a basketball. Or I think that would be really fun if somebody tried to basketball this.
2: Yeah, I was thinking a lot about that. And I was like, man, that is pretty interesting. There's a great book that I've read. I don't know if it's up here. So this person that I admire because they're just like funny looking is Bernie Ecclestone. Have I told you about him? Yes. So Formula One was kind of ragtag in the 70s. And he organized it. And he formed this company, he formed a a, a governing body, and he was the chairman of the governing body. And then B, he formed a sub company that was responsible for getting all the sponsorships for the governing body, which would then distribute it to even teams. He was like, Yeah, and that sub company gets 50% of the money, by the way, <laughs> right. <laughs> and he what? but he was that sub. So he kind of like pulled the fast one. And, and now he's worth $4 billion. And, and so it worked out really well. We just got to do this for pickleball now, eh? Well,
0: okay, so so there's other ones too, like these like little fringe sports. So Abreu just put this in the chat. Have you ever heard of the sport Kabaddi? Uh-uh. All right, so this is an Indian sport, and it's like the most fucking Indian sport there is because it's a sport played with zero ball, zero skill, zero equipment. The only thing, so here's how it works. Imagine a volleyball game, so you have two teams on two sides of the net, but there's like, I don't know, like 10 people on each side or something. It's like a lot of people. It's a bunch of Indian dudes with their shirts off. What happens is, it's kind of like Red Rover, where one guy from one side has to cross under the net and go to the other side, and he's trying to like, he's trying to tag as many people as he can, and then he's got to get back to his side, and they're trying to like stop him. Here's the catch, and here's why the game is called Kabaddi, which is... The whole time, he has to keep continuously saying the word company. So he goes over and he goes, company, 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 company. He has to keep saying it in one without like taking a pause or a breath. And as soon as he runs out of air, he's out if he's on the other side. So they're trying to hold him onto this side. He's trying to tag as many as he can and get back to his side of the
2: thing. That's a joke. No one would want to care about that. And
0: that's the thing that popular sport.
2: That's that. That's the thing that pickleball would have to overcome, which is like, is this just going to be darts, shuffleboard and bowling?
0: Arm wrestling, paper, scissors, rock. (laughs) yeah
2: or is this going to be like tennis because right now in my mind it's still a little bit like um darts it's like a drinking game
0: i think it can be darts i think it should embrace being darts in the same way that like you know they took the spelling bee and uh the spelling bee i mean literally couldn't be a dorkier thing in the world you know they put it on espn they gave it production value they tell the backstories of these kids and uh watching the spelling bee is a great Three days like that. I've watched many years of the national script spelling bee I don't know if you have, but
2: uh that shit is amazing. You're genetically sh- predisposed to like that, I think.
0: <laughs> um so yeah, I think that there's a bunch of fringe sports. I think you could just embrace being the French sport and just put it like go direct to consumer, you know, behind a paywall basically with the fringe sport.
2: Yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see what happens with pickleball and see if it keeps up with the pandemic demand but it is pretty cool it's not new to anyone who's lived here for a while but since i've been in austin it's news to me i had no idea what it was and uh it's just weird but let me tell you one more interesting thing at the top of the hour at three o'clock from me i got asked to go and interview this woman who's making a hundred grand a month from OnlyFans. nice is that wild apparently she's like a marketing Wiz and has done a really good job. And you know, it's even listen to how crazy this is. By
0: the way, shout out to a listener from the pod for making OnlyFansMetrics.com. Go to OnlyFansMetric.com and you could just type in a name of any OnlyFans creator and you could see how much they're earning.
2: That's cool. I didn't know about that. Do you follow WorldStar on Instagram?
0: Of course. WorldStar, The Shade Room. I follow them all.
2: Have you noticed that um, a lot of the sponsored WorldStar ads are fan pages?
0: Like the individuals themselves?
2: Yes. These women with these OnlyFan pages are buying drops on WorldStar. It's so nuts. It's so brilliant. I mean, it's not brilliant because, like, this is exactly what they should be doing, but it's just neat to see that. This industry and these young entrepreneurs, like these women who like you wouldn't expect to, I don't know, we're going to stereotype is like, I didn't think they'd be as sophisticated as they are. They totally are.
0: Yeah, I think it's amazing. I did expect it because I think that they are uh, smart and they're kind of like ballers in their own way. And it, they just needed the tools uh, like the traditional kind of like industry for this stuff really had them at a disadvantage, and as soon as those the power structure changed and the power was in their hands, they became like super entrepreneurial, very smart marketers, and uh, have done really well. By the way, I just saw on the World Store Hip Hop this thing that I've just been seeing advertised everywhere. I bet this company is spending like five million dollars a month right now. I see them on TikTok. I see them on
2: what's it called? It's called
0: Dose of Roses. Dose-Roses.com. You might have seen it. They have this giant rose teddy bear like it's like a huge stuffed animal made of roses that you can get for Valentine's day. And it costs $60. And they've been selling this thing like on every channel I can see, like leading up to Valentine's day, they just show these like really hot girls happy with their like kind of like average looking boyfriend handing them this like
2: amazing. Wait, are these real roses? I'm looking at their website now. I don't
0: know. I haven't, I haven't got one, but, uh, and I think it kind of like breaks apart or something like that. So it's basically just a bunch of different variations of roses and they have, yeah, you know, 300,000 followers on Instagram. And I just feel like they are um, really clever with their marketing. So I've seen them, they, they market basically through memes, memes on Instagram, memes on Twitter, memes on, uh, on TikTok. I mean, and yeah, I bet this company is doing really well and they're spending a ton of money right now. And so what are you going to ask uh, your OnlyFans creator? What are you going to, what's going to be, be your hard hitting interview questions? I don't know. What should I ask her? I would try to figure out the marketing tactics. Like, how are you growing this? You know, basically, I was just trying to figure out, like, is this awesome for you? Like, are you like, dude, this is amazing. I used to do X. You know, I used to make X and put in Y. And now I make 10 X and I put in one tenth of Y. And that's what I want to hear. And so I'd love to just hear kind of like, what were you doing before? How hard was that? What were the downsides of that? How much were you making? And then now... How much more are you making and how much easier is it what you're doing or how much more enjoyable?
2: She has a bio and she has like a website, like a safe for work website that just explains um, everything that she does. It's called, uh, I'll, I'll see what it's called. But anyway, she's, oh, here, knowingless.com. So the word knowing and then dot com. And uh, if you click her about page, she says that she got started because she has the number one post of all time on reddits subreddit gone wild and that is how she started her career
0: uh that's funny by the way this website is not what i expected it to be um when you said
2: yeah it's it. like a proper blog
0: yeah it looks like she's talking about like history or like you know medieval france or something like that like this is this weird looking website to me
2: yeah and she has a survey section where she asks her people serve her folks surveys in order to learn about her customers
0: yeah this is wild. Okay, so that's cool. What else? Let me do one quick idea, and then we're going to bring on uh, my brother-in-law, brother Aaron, to uh, give us his latest internet rabbit hole. Back by popular demand. People liked his uh, making fun of Tim Ferriss and Silicon Valley people and how kind of obnoxious we can be, and um, they liked his kind of tax rabbit hole last time, so we'll see what he's got. Maybe he was a one-hit wonder. I don't know. We'll, We'll find out. But I have one quick idea. My friend is a doctor. I think there's a business opportunity here, but uh, I don't have time to do it. He's like, there are a lot of people out there right now who have had COVID and they're fine, but they lost their kind of sense of smell. He's like, you know, to get it back takes quite a long time. It could take months to recover your sense of smell. So you have like, you know, I think 400,000 people have died of COVID. I think, you know, how many tens of millions of people have had it in some, to some level of severity, whether they tested for it or not. I don't know. But let's say you now have a new market of millions of people who have lost one of their, I don't know how many senses we have, what, five or six? One of their five or six senses that we have. Can you help them get it back? And he's basically like, there's this kind of, like, medical procedure. Like this, There's, like, a series of, like, exercises you could do to accelerate the return of your sense of smell. Oh, my God. He's like, but it's done in such a medical way. He's like, someone should just make this as a kit. And um, he's like, if anybody wants to do this, like, I can tell you, like, the right process, basically a step-by-step kit, like – what you should do kind of each day he's like, but there's just like, you just need some essential oils and like you need a, a certain structure of how you're going to do it in a certain dilution for it. I think somebody should make this. And I was like, dude, that is a great idea. It would be so easy to market and it wouldn't be a long lasting business, but like you can make half a million to a million and a half dollars of profit, I believe in the next 12 months if you just did this one thing. Uh, So I thought that was a cool idea.
2: We have friends that own essential oil companies. Why haven't they done anything like this? I think they're just
0: busy. I sent it to one of them. I think this is like small for them. They're big now. But I think that, you know, for somebody who's got nothing but time on their hands, I think this is a cool idea.
2: I'm just fooling around on this tool I had to look up how many people searched COVID lost smell or anything like that. Not too much. I know it's popular
0: because on TikTok, one of the most viral TikToks uh, nowadays is this one, where you like take an orange with the peel on and you put it on your stove and you burn the orange on the bottom. If you've lost your sense of smell, do this to get it back. And then you like do that. And then you like, I don't know, sniff it like a bunch of times or throughout the day. And uh, it helps accelerate the return of your sense of smell. And like all the comments are like, oh my God, I thought this was a joke, but this actually works. And uh, there's like millions and millions of views on this thing, which means it's getting shared.
2: That's a great idea. I don't think this is like a hundred million dollar idea, but it could be a, a good way to get your foot in the door and make something neat.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, this could make, I think it can make half a million to a million dollars of profit if done well. Easily make tens of thousands of dollars of profit.
2: I dig it. We got to come up with a cute name for it. And then we're going to advertise wherever these uh, roses company, Bear Roses, or whatever the hell that thing's called.
0: Those of Roses. Uh,
2: all right, cool. Sam and I, you got to jump. Yeah, I got to jump. Aaron's coming on now. I will talk to you all in a week.
0: Okay, so back by popular demand. Brother Aaron, (laughs) how did it feel to get uh, so many tweets and all the
1: feedback, man? It was great. In one day, I went from four followers to five followers on Twitter. So I was at 25% in one day. If my Bitcoin was that much, it would be great. Anything is possible. KG, tell people uh, tell people about your
0: Bitcoin thing. I think this is funny, by the way. So you own a bunch of Bitcoin, but you jumped in kind of like headfirst, a little bit recklessly. So explain your Bitcoin thing, and then we're gonna go down whatever rabbit hole you got for us
1: this time. Okay, so this was like maybe the second week or first week of December. We uh, talked, and you said something about, "Oh, dude, get Bitcoin," and I was like, "What's Bitcoin?" Right? Like I know what it is, like the word, right? And so I looked at it, and I was like, "Oh man, like that's a lot of money." And then I was like. Well,
0: Well, what was the price back then?
1: I think it was like 18, 18 18.2, 18.3. And so um, got one and uh, went down a miniature Bitcoin rabbit hole and started being very distrustful of fiat currencies and started to understand what it was about. And then a few weeks later, like I'm not going to say how much, of course, but I was like, bro, this Bitcoin is messing me up, man. (laughs) (laughs) So I just sort of like stopped and then there was a, a week or two towards late December where it just exploded and I couldn't believe it. And so then I uh, called you. I was like, bro, man, let's look that Bitcoin.
0: Right, you doubled your money so far. So there's a lot of people in Bitcoin who, some people like it because it's like, ah, oh, this is like a good store of value. It's like a digital version of gold. Some people th- love the technology. They're like, this is great to do a, a trustless uh, system, a decentralized financial system. And then some people are like, oh my God, the government is printing money like crazy. I don't trust fiat currency. And you know, I, I feel like for you, uh, you're a man who loves a conspiracy. So you know, you, this is like introducing a fish to water here. What was it that hooked
1: you? I think it was like the whole, don't trust the government and don't get me wrong. I love America. I love the military. Shout out to the troops. But the government and the military and the government and the country are two different things. And so when you started to sort of dig into the budget deficit being 25 trillion 26 trillion 27 trillion and just kind of us living and understanding about inflation and so you'll go oh okay well you know things go up 2 or 3% a year and it's really that your money's being the base and so when i looked into that that conspiracy was all about okay get out of fiat and get into uh, bitcoin as you know i got into gold and silver so i'm also a stacker and a hodler in one so it's two for one and so Anything that's not a dollar, if you give me a million dollars, I might just slap it out your hand, man. You know, I want real (laughs) estate, gold, silver, Bitcoin, pizza, but I don't want your paper, man.
0: What rabbit hole have you been going down lately? Because you told me, you said, all right, I got a new one. I'm ready. I've been down a rabbit hole. I'm just coming out for air. What rabbit hole have you been down? I don't know if I'm going to like this one. But what will you, you tell me what it is?
1: Dude, like for all the listeners, when I went to this rabbit hole, I didn't have any facial hair. And now I look straight Mujahideen over here, man. And so <laughs> I went down the second residency, second passport rabbit hole, because people like you, Sam, Sully, like the sort of the tech people that I know of have left San Francisco. And so they'll go to you know, to Austin and Sam's case, or in your case, I'll go outside of the city. And they're doing that to, to live better, be it, oh, oh, I can actually afford a house or I actually not pay state income tax. I can have all this space. And so I took it a step further because I used to live in Texas and you still have federal income tax in Texas. So you still have to pay whatever that rate is. And if you're a big balling and you're paying 30, 40% of your income, I took a step back and I went down this rabbit hole of, well, what if I didn't live here? right? And so when I was looking into what a second residency and second passport means, it's a way to take your lifestyle to an Indonesia, to a Mexico, to a Panama, as the Latinas say, and then being able to, if you are a tech entrepreneur like you, like Sam and all these guys, you can make that same uh, amount and actually not pay any property taxes or any federal income taxes. And Your life can be better to explosively better from your time in Indonesia, from uh, my time in Indonesia. You know, that's a fact.
0: Is it better because stuff is cheaper there so you can live like a king? Like when I lived in I lived in China, I finished high school in China and we had a, a private driver. We had a live in maid who would clean everything, who would cook everything every single day. Uh, in Indonesia, same thing. We had a driver. We had a live-in maid. When you lived in Indonesia, you had a live-in maid. Can you share what you paid for somebody who, and they were happy. This was not like this is not slavery. This was somebody who wanted this job to work in the city, and they wanted to to basically work with a family like yours. They would clean, and on the weekends they would go home or or send send money back to their family where in the countryside. Can you say what you were paying at that time?
1: Yeah, yeah, man, and. I actually, this is something that me and your sister talk about. I think that we only paid we paid what the rate was, and it was like a hundred and twenty hundred and thirty dollars. We should have paid triple that explain per what oh per month per month <laughs> right not not per, yeah. not per not, day not per day, not per week, and it's more that at that time this was ten years ago, we really didn't understand it's not that we were trying to be cheap or trying to take advantage, but we would just ask other expats.
0: Yeah, we we're, we're paying the same rate or 10% more than what the going rate was. It's just that the going rate is ridiculously low, unbelievably low.
1: Dude, it was incredibly low. At the time, of course, as you know, no kids. So it's not like she did much work because um, we would be at work all day, come back and you know she'd make some dinner and it was great. But those are things that if you have a second residency or a second passport, it's not very difficult to get one of those that what you could do is live like a celebrity there for what you're making here. And it's not as easy as just, oh, I'm just going to get a plane ticket and go there. There's some work that you have to do.
0: Why do you need a passport? Why not just go on vacation? A lot of people go to Bali right now and they work from Bali. Why do I need a passport to Panama or anywhere else?
1: So a passport or a residency visa would give someone, say, who's listening to this program, the chance to work. In those countries. So, if you wanted to work, that's a way to get income. There's also access to health insurance there. So, these are the two things that Americans think about oh, man, I'm going to lose my health insurance. Oh, man, I'm losing my job. Yeah, but if you have a passport or a residency, what you can do is avoid those. Okay. So, that's the big difference between a visa when just going through all this COVID thing, Sean, and seeing what's happening with, you know, at the Capitol with the riots and the protests, you know, that have happened in the last, you know, 10 months since COVID has happened. America's, it's kind of dicey, man. Like for the inauguration, I think the listeners know they had 20,000 troops and tanks for President Biden. <laughs> this isn't like the Dominican Republic, man. Right. And so I'm just sort of thinking about this stuff never happened when I was younger. And now it's very politically uh, juiced here. Right. Like you can't post this thing or your friends will befriend you. You can't say this or you'll get fired. And it used to not be like that. So there's kind of this little shift in America, which is all good. You've said
0: one thing before about entitlement, uh, because you live in San Francisco right now. I personally believe the reason you're interested in a second passport is not even for the tax savings. It's not even for the greater lifestyle. I think you're sick of the entitlement of San Francisco. Tell the people what you believe about the entitlement of San Francisco.
1: Dude, here's my hot take. And I hope you're ready for this. San Francisco, and I've been all around the world, all around America. The most beautiful city in America with the worst people. And that's because everyone here is entitled to everything. You have rich people that are entitled to this. You have poor people entitled to this. You have homeless people entitled to this. You have Hispanics, Blacks. Everyone is, uh, this is my space. Get out of here. Your kids are too loud. Stop making noise. And it's for someone like me who's from Texas or someone like Sam who's from St. Louis, people are not like that there. And so, if you offend anyone, they can call the cops, they can do this, they can do that. Now this stuff hasn't happened to me, but I see it. It's just that everyone here, I'm all about equality, but they're just like, look, my kids like should also have everything. So you got to give it to me. That's all good. Cause it's, it's my choice to be here or not, but the second residency or the second passport can help you avoid San Franciscans. Right. There's a great talk by, um, apologies on youtube
0: or it might be a a blog post but i think he gave it as a talk as well called exit or voice and basically what he's saying is like you know and people think oh it's a democracy so you know you have a voice you have a vote you have a voice and um that's what makes america great and that's what gives you the you know the chance for change is that you have a voice here his point is (laughs) you know this is the really dumbed down simplification of it but his his point is hey you know what's better than a voice Uh, the ability to exit Meaning if you can leave, if you can vote with your feet, that is a much more powerful factor for change and competition and driving like, you know, different governments to treat you well than uh, you having a voice where they can either listen to you, they can ignore you, you can kind of keep waving your, your fist in the air, but do nothing. Right now, for example, we see people leaving for Austin, for Miami, for places that either have... You know, in the meantime, San Francisco is talking about, hey, California is talking about, like, we're going to increase the wealth tax. And then you have, like, companies walking out the door. You have investors walking out the door. You have entrepreneurs leaving because San Francisco and California is actively making things worse while these other places are making it better. And the thing I think is really smart is have you been following this mayor of Miami?
1: Francis Swat, as you know it, bro.
0: (laughs) So he is doing what I think, you know, he's like Mr. Steal Your Girl out there. So he is basically saying, as California, every time California does something dumb, he personally handwrites a letter to an influential person saying, come out to Miami. I would love to have you here. Yesterday, he was talking, you know, Elon Musk has been trying to do his uh, boring company where he's drilling tunnels under the ground. And in California, you know, he runs into bottlenecks and bureaucracy and all this stuff. The mayor tweets out at him and goes, come do this in Miami. We're ready for you. And uh, like, we'll we'll lay out the red carpet. Come, we would love for to have you here. We would love for you to be doing this uh, this project here, and uh, and Elon responded. He goes. If the governor and the mayor are both on board, things can go real quick. And the governor responded also, let's talk. And so this guy is recruiting Coach K at the McDonald's All-American camp. These guys recruiting entrepreneurs out of California, out of San Francisco, because now they have an option to exit and uh, go somewhere else because you're not tied to the kind of Silicon Valley network because, hey, everybody's kind of gone remote. Everybody's moved. And that has opened up the door.
1: It's something that, in all of the research i did on youtube there's this one guy named andrew henderson nomad capitalist shout out to this guy he would say don't go where you're treated better go where you're treated best and so what texas is doing what florida is doing is they're saying hey look we want you here we're going to give you tax credits we're going to roll out the red carpet and that's why Oracle, HP, Tesla, all these big companies are taking those jobs to Texas. And for Texas, that's great. But for us, California is a lot like that great athlete in high school who has it all. I mean, he's <laughs> six foot seven, 230, jumps out the gym, but he doesn't practice, man. Right. And eventually- Pissing it away. Yeah, eventually that athleticism is less and less of a factor because people have real skill. Like this guy is saying, hey, Elon, come here. Austin is saying, hey, look, we're already like the tech capital here. And so people are moving in places like California. What this means for San Franciscans and all Californians is taxes, taxes must go up because California, unlike the government, cannot print fiat currency. And so that's going to happen for a fact, because all these jobs that are leaving me and your sister run a small business, those employment taxes, bro, man, they'll kill a lot of companies. And so the taxes on the existing employees and uh, people that live here, 100% will have to go up unfortunately. So that's why the second passport and second residency. They said that
0: there's like a $500 million shortfall already just from people who have left and companies who have left. Uh, And this has been like just a few months. (laughs) So,
1: Sean, and that's just in San Francisco. That's not in LA and all the other big cities. There's going to be a day of reckoning, but it's for us, unfortunately, leadership did it themselves. I mean, it wasn't like the rest of the country didn't have to deal with COVID. You've been
0: going down this kind of like sovereign man uh, rabbit hole right now, what do you think is the next rabbit hole where where are you where are you looking next?
1: So all of my rabbit holes have to deal with taxes because taxes in the world of business, taxes is a thing that you can control, right? And so now that we know about buy, borrow die, now we know about why we invest in real estate and and write down those expenses. Now that we have a second residency and a second passport, I think the next one is going to be more the gold and silver slash bitcoin rabbit holes because. If we printed trillions of dollars in this last year, the currency is going to go down. So where can we go? Other than a recommendation from you just to buy Bitcoin, I need to like really dig in (laughs) and see, okay, what is Ether about? Okay, I have this gold and silver. I'm like a Lannister right now in 2021. Aaron Barrera always pays his debts is the new slogan. And so I'm uh, hoping that I can get a little bit more educated about those things because I don't know as much as y'all do for sure. <laughs> okay.
0: Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate you coming on and uh, brother Aaron, giving us the, giving us the latest from the rabbit hole. So uh, go back down there and we will see you again in a month or so when you, uh, when you come up for air.
1: Roger that. Take care. All right. See ya. All right, man. Bye-bye.